0: Well, I, I had a, I had a, uh, uh, economic experience this weekend. I wanted to get your take on, are you, mm-hmm. are you right? It's very easy. So I have two bikes cause I live in Amsterdam, right? You gotta have two bikes. And, uh, I was, I had this whole scheme about how I can bike to pick my kids up from school. It doesn't really matter. But the end result <laughs> was that I was biking to pick my kids up from school and one of my pedals fell off. Uh, just like in the bike lane there. And then I had to remember that the reason I don't use this bike is that the pedals fall off. <laughs> so I thought I should take this in to get it fixed, to get the pedal fixed. And while I'm in there, I want to have them put like one of those, uh those handlebar things on the back and buy the soft seat that you have. So it's like a, an emergency uh, seat on the back. And then of course, you're going to want to get the wheel covers, you know, the that you put on the yeah. back. And uh, I think the total, then they had to replace the crank to get the pedal working I, I guess the crank is that shaft between the two pedals and it to- is yes <laughs> the total amount of money was uh i think 84 euros and it made me think i think this bike is worth maybe 100 euros or 140 euros so sh- at what point should i have just been like i'm just going to buy a new bike instead of fixing it up like this
1: you know, if you're buying a bike for 140 euros, it probably comes with its its own list of things that need to be fixed. <laughs> um, I, I I think that you probably did the right thing. Yeah. Um. And you know, you buy another bike here in 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 Amsterdam where I am as well, and you don't know where it's come from if it's a hundred uh, something euro bike. The Providence. I don't know. Yes. And yeah. I I just was speaking with someone yesterday. Not yesterday. Sorry. Uh, I guess it was a, a couple of weeks ago. Who um. His bike was stolen from right in front of his 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 shop. He owns a flower shop and he had heard that when someone steals your bike, they go to Facebook and try to sell it immediately. Mm. So he went and looked on Facebook and he found his bike (laughs) and he had surprisingly um, taken pictures of the receipt and the serial number and he went to the police and the police went and got his bike. Whoa, and arrested the person that stole it. I know, which almost never happens. Right. And uh, after I thought about that for a while, I thought um, I should take a picture of, you know, my
0: serial number of my bike, that, which yeah. I have not
1: I have not done. I've so I've I've a,
0: I've a couple of times met those people who have like that Fuji paper scanner thing mm-hmm. and they're like actually disciplined about like putting all their paper in there, which, you know, man, that sounds like a good life. I I wish I, I wish I was that hygienic with my life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, my, my other way of pricing all of that was like the amount of effort and time I'm going to have to put in to like getting a new, a new bike is probably not worth it. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta price that extra labor that you're doing and see if you want to do it. Speaking of extra labor, there's, (laughs) there's a, there's a topic that uh, comes up a lot that uh, I think, I think you have a lot of thoughts on and definitely it uh, occurs quite a bit in the, uh, the computer world that we're in. And that is the topic of outsourcing. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, outsourcing has good and bad names. And, and I feel like, I mean, tell me if you think this characterization is wrong, but my own, you know, I haven't really like studied outsourcing as it were, but my, my anecdotal as in living through it notion of outsourcing is like sometime in like the nineties, And maybe a little bit earlier, but in the late 90s, it was really popular to think about like, let's manage the company's finances, their balance sheet, whatever you want to call it. I guess a balance sheet isn't technically what it is, Uh, but there's this big chunk of IT expenditure that we have that we could just have someone else do. And at that point, we're just like restructuring the way we do it. And we're also not focusing on things that are a core competency to us, like managing desktops or something and then you sign like you know these these uh sometimes famous sometimes infamous multi-year outsourcing deals like i think ibm and gm had a gigantic one that even transformed into a company of its own as a into eds Mm -hmm. or something right Mm -hmm. and uh you have these big five ten year programs where just like I don't know. I guess your IT department is the outsourcer. I mean, that's the grandest, biggest thing. But there's smaller versions where you might hire people. I mean, maybe the smallest one is like what, what I what you see in marketing, where the marketing person like hires what do they call them an agency mm. uh, to do a little bit of application work for them. But you know, and nowadays, just to finish the uh, the rocky arc, it seems like the the deal with outsourcing in the context of digital transformation and wanting to improve the way you do your business by improving the way you do software. The belief is that the way outsourcing is traditionally done, it's very difficult for it to be beneficial for, uh, you know, improving your software and your business, doing all this digital stuff. And, uh, I guess the notion is because you don't have enough control over the outsourcers I think primarily because of the way the contracts have been negotiated, but I don't know, maybe there might be something else, but what, uh, yeah, I, I, what do you I think? Say, of I'm that? not, I'm not sure
1: I completely agree. It's about control, but before that, I want to take your, your arc and, and, and talk about that because I think that anytime you find yourself standing at the bottom of a hole, you probably dug that hole slowly. Yeah, so, and I think that's kind of, kind of where we are when you look at when outsourcing was becoming popular in the nineties, which is about when my career was starting, um, most technology was not the way that most companies interacted with their customers. So it was literally not much. It was something you needed. Maybe it ran your accounting. Maybe it did a few other things for you, um, Downtime was accept acceptable. I, I remember going places and them saying, "Oh, our computers are down. We we'll have to do this by hand." That it was a different world, and your your customers were not as affected. It was so it was just a cost, and that's how they saw it. So they slowly started outsourcing that cost to to save money and to maybe do a better job. Then you go forward a couple of decades, and you have this thing called digital transformation. And what that really is about is transforming your company into a company that can communicate via technology with its users and its customers. And that's where the old way of outsourcing no longer works. So we already outsourced all of our technology brain. So why wouldn't we just let this uh, the outsourcing companies control our transformation? But it's different because this transformation is about your customers. It's about the lifeblood of your company.
0: So it's a mistake, in my opinion. And and like so, so how do, how does that how do, how how do you reckon that happens? Because my you know one of one of my little jokey comments is always like very few people set out to do a bad job <laughs> right like they don't they don't sit and think you know both on the outsourcer side and the, uh, the company hiring them i'm sure it happens sometimes but i doubt most of the time they're like let's set up some really bad it stuff that that uh, <laughs> that that will not be helpful to our company and it'll be cheap but unhelpful and so like how, how, how do you reckon, you know, the traditional outsourcing model doesn't really fit this need to uh, work with your customers through technology, as you say?
1: Well, I think that uh, they give their customers what they ask for. And I think the problem is the customers are asking for the wrong thing. Mm. Um, that, that is that
0: is the outsourcers are giving the customers what they ask for.
1: Yes. Yes. The outsourcers are giving their customers what they ask for and they're giving, giving it to them at the cost that they that that they want. And, you know, they're going to make a profit. So it it is, uh, it's that old adage,
0: you know, be careful what you wish for, uh, you you get it, <laughs> or or the uh, you get what you pay for. That's that's yes. the other, the, and I think the other the other famous phrase in this pantheon is, of course, a Benjamin Franklin phrase, which is uh, either we uh, we hang together or we hang separately, mm-hmm. which uh, I think fits well there. I don't really know why, but it feels like it's the same uh, same smarty structure.
1: Well, I I feel like technology became important. And a lot of executives didn't notice, mm. and I, and and maybe they know now something about it. But we have now the the C level executives now, not like they ever really were, but certainly more the CIO and the CTOs are generally less technical than they used to be. At a time when they need to be more technical, they need to be domain experts, mm. or at least have enough knowledge to hire domain experts correctly. I, so I I think that that's part of the problem is that companies don't know what to ask for
0: yeah yeah you know and and you know if you if you sort of think about it the i guess i guess there's two different at least in this discussion there's two different tasks for it one of them is like delivering a uh let's call it uh innovation static or consistent service right one of those could be like uh your desktops or like even like provisioning storage I, I don't really know about storage, mm. but like essentially, your uh, your your it's like it's like delivering electricity. You know, you just like you are de- you don't have to innovate what the electricity does. You might your innovation might be like a a wall socket that also has USB plugs in it. That would be crazy, right? Like a big big advance uh in electricity management. Mm. But you've got that, and then you've got this other function which which this kind of, if we pull on the thread too much, it'll get to another point, but you've got, you know, we're, we're customizing, we're doing custom IT stuff to uh, basically match the way we want to interact with our customers. And we'll set aside like internal, like usage, like, I don't know, well, maybe not necessarily, but it also includes things like when a team of people is approving a loan, or a mortgage, or working on a big insurance claim. Like There's also custom-fitted IT to do that. And there's probably some name for this in some complicated framework, but it seems like one of them, the first one, you don't really change very much, and it's basically a commodity. Mm-hmm. And And you could kind of sort of expect that each year the world gets better at doing it, and therefore it can be delivered more cheaply. I don't know if that's true or not. And then the other model is like, uh, well, it gets to the uh, well, the crux of I think a lot of finance problems in 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 uh, digital transformation stuff. We'll just say digital transformation. <laughs> the crux of that is uh, we focus on a, a lot on cost instead of growth, instead of the actual outcome that we get from it. And so, with those two frames, it seems like the traditional outsourcing one is very well fitted for the first and. Uh, When you don't really have any opinion about how things are going to change or you want to change it midstream, which for the second, uh, that's just not how software works. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I I think you said something
1: important at the beginning, which was about innovation. And I hadn't really, you know, framed it in in that way before is that I think outsourcing is inappropriate where you need innovation. Mm. So where something is ubiquitous, you know, a commodity and of low business value, that's the perfect thing. To, to outsource, right? Um, something that is very well known. It's a well-known activity. It could be, it could be managing infrastructure. You know, like you you talked about storage. Those those are generally really well known. I don't think designing infrastructure is necessarily something I would say you where you don't need innovation. But maybe managing it and monitoring it is somewhere where you don't. But places where you need innovation, those generally are places where that are important to your business important to you and your relationship with your customers. And you should own that. You, you shouldn't be uh, outsourcing that in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And maybe, I don't know. Tell me if you think this is wrong or, or whatever <laughs> shades of right. Uh, like, it seems like the, the, the cause of a lot of this is, is what you might call the need to make money. And that is on the outsourcing side, the only way they're going to make money is i guess there's two ways one you grow you have you have volume so you have more and more outsourcing deals but you're going to be constrained by people at some point or by the lack of an automated process so like you know uh let's take a password when that let's not get to an example yet and then the other way that they're going to make money is basically to do less (laughs) right so so to actually pay for doing things less and they might do that through like automation. Mm-hmm. So if you have, uh, I, I always remember reading that the number one uh, help desk thing is always password resets or more generally can't log in. <laughs> and all of that stuff is like what generates a lot of uh, a nuisance. And so, you know, you could think on a, on, a, uh, on a gradient of things, you could have a person at a call desk that's outsourced that, that resets people's passwords for them. And then you could also automate the password resetting like you have with uh, with email. And mm-hmm. so but either way, it's not like when a new way, like, I, I guess maybe an example would be like with with a outsourcing contract in authentication, if you suddenly wanted to introduce two factor authentication, that's probably not covered in your contract. So even that innovation on that mm-hmm. commodity thing is, uh, is sort of troublesome. And and yeah, so, no, so and it's
1: not really innovation. That's just a, a change. Incremental that, improvement. That they, yeah. Yeah. That they can't even that they they could handle, but they probably won't because it's going to put a burden on them and affect their bottom line. So it's in the end, it's just like you say, all about money. And and so that
0: comes back to the, the, the fundamental mismatch is uh, essentially the outsourcer has to do the job more cheaply than you're buying it for. Is that I mean, that's that's how pricing works, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so if if you're doing some activity where the cost of doing it, like you don't want to cheap out on it, then outsourcers are a bad model. And 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 I guess you know, even more foundational from that is the way that an outsourcer is going to control the costs is they are going to sign a contract with you that standardizes what they do so that they can become as efficient as it as possible and each time a new thing is added they don't have to spend the time and money to learn how to be efficient at it they're just repeating the same thing over and over again which is the foundation of a really easy profitable business that you have you can do the same thing over and over again like publishing a book right yeah so i, I guess i guess yeah, they I mean, call that everything... the uh, they call that the marginal cost they they minimize their marginal cost essentially have, have...
1: Have you seen that though, that kind of standardization and, and so in repeatability, it seems like, and this is just my personal experience from, you know, being engaged in different projects is that everything seems bespoke. Ah, that yes. I've worked with the, the uh, outsourcers on, it was not like even, and maybe it was uh, a, in, in a result of the companies I worked for at the time. But it seemed like we said, this is how you're going to do it. This is how we're going to, even if it's just monitoring something, we said exactly how it was going to be done. So they didn't have the ability to get that sort of automated scale yeah. by doing it the same many places. I I don't, I haven't actually seen that. I, I agree that that's how it should be.
0: Yeah, um, well, well may, <laughs> maybe maybe I'm thinking of the uh, the optimistic cynical case, mm. <laughs> so to speak, and that is, that is that an, uh, an outsourcer would seek to do things the most efficient way, which would be to standardize and automate, right? I mean, I guess the most efficient thing is to do nothing, but that's hard to make (laughs) money off of, uh, but is, is to standardize and automate something. But maybe the most profitable thing to do is to not standardize and to kind of continually justify that you need to, uh, uh, basically spend a, a premium for it, uh, which sort of relies on the person hiring the outsourcer to believe that they can't do it. Right. That mm-hmm. it's just like, it's not, it's nothing that they could do at all, which seems weird.
1: Well, you know, let me come at it from another direction. <laughs> so, I, again, I want to blame the companies hiring the outsourcers. So uh, if, if you're, and I've actually seen this, I've seen, I've seen a statement of work for a a job that was outsourced, be exceptionally complex and exceptionally specific. And I th- my, my feeling at the time and my feeling now is that it happens quite often is that the IT team at the company that's outsourcing has to seem useful. And if they're <laughs> yeah. not saying, this is how we do it, this is the way our company does it, this is how we need it done, then they're not really doing anything. So my my feeling was that they were trying to add value because all they did in this process was write the statement of work write the RFP and and then you know get bids that so i, I think they're trying to feel more useful by being more specific yeah that's right yeah. and in some ways it's so that that maybe sounds a little harsh they're trying to do things the same way because they think that's the way things should be done at a company this yeah. is the like this is the pivotal way we do this or this is the the forward way we do this or this is and you know so it's not necessarily malicious in any way. It's just they're trying to do what's right, but yeah. what's right is the past. They they they're trying to do, trying
0: to do their job what, yeah. what what they've done all along, right? That like, you know, I guess if uh, I guess if you have a pipe fitter, they're going to try to do some pipe fitting. <laughs> right? Like that's <laughs> in in theory that's what their their existence is for. And you know, I think you hit on another thing. I I, I think there's some some bias name for this i I never remember all the biases as 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 nice as they are, but you kind of see this in uh let's call it sort of like petty consumer life services thing where if you're getting something for free like let's see what you would get for free if you uh you know if 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 your kid is painting your toenails for free. Mm -hmm. You feel like you don't really have that much control over what they're doing. It's free. So it's just like, that's fine. You know, you can paint one green and the other pink and and it doesn't have to line up. Plus, you're also a kid. But whatever. (laughs) Let's just go. Let's just go with this. (laughs) Whereas if I go to a nail salon and I'm paying someone to paint my nails, all of a sudden I'm going to get a bespoke nail treatment. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I'm probably not going to want to go in and have like, we've got the $5 nail treatment where you can't make any choices, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Like versus like the $10 one where all of a sudden you can get this bespoke thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I feel like for, you can, you see this effect in like, uh, weddings and, uh, buying cars to some extent, all these things where, once you start paying for something, you kind of almost start feeling this need to overspecify stuff to your detriment. As you say, you start digging the hole you find yourself falling in where it seems like and and, and it seems like in contrast, maybe it's it's interesting that like public cloud is kind of sort of outsourcing except you don't get to make any decisions. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and and so in contrast, if there's this standardized way of doing something, you don't get to make many decisions. The pricing is totally different, even though it's from a business's vantage point, like the same, except there's no uh no choices to be made. So maybe maybe that's the other huge part that you have is like if you're going to outsource something, you should really ask them how they would do it and not really customize it so much. Otherwise, I don't know it's not going to meet your expectations too well
1: uh, you know it's 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 an actual problem and then, so i not only is it a not only is it a problem of complexity i have been places where my own it staff actually asked vendors to do things that were wrong and i don't mean ethically wrong i mean the wrong thing to do <laughs> right, um, right 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 yeah. yeah like you know like and and i so i started when when a vendor came in, especially one I planned to, to that I thought I might eventually buy from, I would tell them at the very beginning, this outsourcing or anything. If anyone on my team says asks you to do anything stupid, don't say, "Well, that's one way to do it. We can do that." Say, "No, that's stupid." <laughs> uh, you know, but but you know, quite often you see people, you see companies that um, dig themselves the hole slowly. Thinking they're doing the right thing and and they're not, and they should have, you know, if you're talking to, let's say your vendor is Google, who's one that I said this to, they know what they're doing for the things they do. If they don't know how to do it, they're probably not doing it. So, so they're very good at it. So you telling Google how to run storage or you telling Google, you know, how to run a network probably is, is not the most useful thing. Mm. Um, but I, I see that all the time. You know, I, I, some of it is technical people. Uh, when you get a bunch of us in a, in, a, in a room, we like to show how technical we are. So I think some of it is just us trying to peacock a little bit, if so, that makes sense.
0: Oh, yeah. So, so it seems like maybe we've got one bucket of outsourcing that we're cool with. And that is mm. like running email, for example. <laughs> right. Or like there's this there's this service. Or this piece of software that really like commodity is a very judgmental term, but whatever the positive version of commodity is like, you know, a thing that you enjoy that's valuable, but that doesn't really vary, very much like, you know, bread (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) or milk, right? Like there's some choice that you have, like pretty much anything you get at a grocery store is once you establish what it is, you kind of sort of want it to remain constant. Like Mm -hmm. you don't, you don't want a lot of variation in, in what's going on there. So that kind of outsourcing is probably fine. And the only, the only sort of thing to check for is that the pricing that you're getting for the feature set you're getting is good. So for example, I'm sure there's some reasons, but like, if you are having someone like, uh, run, you know, if you outsource running your email and calendaring systems on their own install, that's probably not a good idea versus just like office three sixty five or Google or whatever the Google suite. so so we got that kind of stuff. and then but then there's this other bucket that I think gets closer to the thing, which is we might call it like consultative outsourcing. And I don't quite know what that looks like, but you know, I talk with outsourcing teams every now and then. I was just talking with one uh, some people on Friday, and they're a little bit more oriented in in like what I would call a consultant uh, mm-hmm. and which is more like, we just have an ongoing relationship with a company and they have some applications sometimes they want to test out or, uh, well, to say they want to test it out is a very advanced way of thinking. <laughs> <laughs> they they have some software that they want developed, uh, some new type of software, and they'll work with our team uh, and we'll like work on that software with them to like kind of prove it out and validate it and do the first version and then our hope as the outsourcer is that they continue to work with us as a consultant to to develop that software and we might even like mix people in there with their their um uh in-house talent and our outsourced talent and so i don't know what you call this kind of scheme but like what's what's your experience with this kind of scheme where it's more like people that you're getting rather than a service
1: um it's 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 higher end um g- generally i mean that's I, that, that is basically filling gaps in your own headcount. You know, you, you, you don't have the skill set. And so while you look right. for it, you have those results. That, that, and I think that, that could be valuable if, if they're providing good people, um, and people that you trust. I think that, that just helps, you know, that's an adjunct employee for you. So that's, that's, that's nice. Um, but you know, while you were talking, it made me think of, of uh, another way to look at it, at, at sort of what the, the, what you outsource instead of just looking at a specific class, because that kind of changes what's important in classes of applications and classes of technology. Mm -hmm. I think it's about your relationship with your customer. If you're outsourcing something and, and you look at it and you say, does this, does this affect my ability to control my relationship with my customer? Mm. And if the answer is yes, then I would think very, very uh, strongly about not outsourcing it and owning it and maybe doing that second model that you talked about where if I don't have the skills, I get some auxiliary skills in for a short period of time while while I step up. But I think you should own your relationship with your customer or at least own it enough that you can control it. So, you know, I would be very, very careful outsourcing those kinds of things. Um, But, yeah, the second one, I don't have as much experience with that as as I do just the first. I see simple things being outsourced, um, all of the Unix admins, web development, things like that. You know, I see that. Not not as much of the other. I know it exists, but I haven't used it much.
0: And and so so going back to your your framing there a little bit, I'm always interested in, like, the... um... I don't know. Principle is the wrong word, but the the sort of systematic features that cause problems. (laughs) Cause it seems like, I guess, I guess one of my, hmm, now that I think of it, one of my big beliefs is like, you know, you, uh, life is a series of setting up systems. And if the systems are set up correctly, there's a better chance that things will go well. Whereas I guess, I guess conversely, uh, if a system is set up poorly, there's a very high chance things will go poorly <laughs> but so so you know like 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 what you said i i hear a lot right that like the uh whether it's the closer to the customer the more control you want or if something is a core strategic advantage you know whatever whatever that the the most valuable thing is to your business you should own and i guess well why is that like why could an outsourcer not do that for you what what what's wrong with the system of a, of an outsourcer where they will mess that up because they don't care about the customer
1: that's not other compensated by your happy customers by your business right they they care about that contract that you've written that statement of work and and you, you know if it's something important the person that is performing that important duty should care about it and be motivated to behave the right way right so I, I think that, and we've talked about this before, that the way people are compensated drives behavior, and they are not compensated to improve your relationship with your customer. In fact, in some ways, it might be the it might be the opposite. I mean, they they might make more money if things don't go well.
0: Yeah, 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 I, and maybe so. So maybe the one of the issues is that you need a contract with them, <laughs> right? And and the contract has to basically limit the flexibility of what they can do versus. If you have your own in-house talent, you can much more rapidly change the things you're doing. So like, for example, right? Like, I guess what would be an example? I mean, you could, you could, you could, we'll go outside of the domain of IT because I can't think of an IT thing, but like, I always, I, I think a lot about, not a lot. I think too much about those people who give out samples in Costco. And I think, I think last time I've caught a few glimpses that they actually work for another company, right? So they don't work for Costco. Uh, and like, so that's an outsourced function that is kind of core to, to, to that business, right? Like marketing and bringing things in. But I would imagine like the way that contract is written is pretty simple. It's like the people show up and they work this amount of hours and, you could even be kind of liberal in it. Like we are allowed to every week without codifying this in a contract, change that they're the things that they're doing. They're doing like the teriyaki chicken versus the fried chicken. Mm-hmm. And, uh, basically the way they're measured is they're there and they give out samples. And maybe we have some correlation to the amount of stuff sold when they're there to see if something happens. Now, maybe that's a contract that you have, but then. Maybe what you discover is that like, actually you need to be like demonstrating stuff with this, like this, the, 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 uh, the blender person always is. And then, and then maybe the, the people you've contracted with are like, no, 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 that's a whole different skill set. And we've got to hire other people and it's like (laughs) much blender
1: skills.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We need blender skills. And we also need that skill of like, you know, making it seem like a, a, a wondrous thing that I'm making something in a blender. And you know, you also have to do that thing that a blender salesperson will do, like to make it seem actually really easy to clean a blender, when we all know cleaning a blender is always I, I, annoying. You,
1: you have to make it the part that I like. To go off on this is when they have to make it look really, really hard to not use the blender. Yes. You got to stir and then like smash it into your face and put some on the floor. Right. How could anyone do this? Yeah. Right. Right.
0: So, so the outsourcer could be like, no, we're not going to do that. And then you're like, oh, I've sunk, I've sunk all this money into a year to two year contract and these sampling people. And now I'm, I'm screwed. Whereas if you had your in store, your in, in house talent, (laughs) you could maybe train how they do things differently and you would have more flexibility. Now that's a wacky example, but, but
1: but I'd I'd like to take that example
0: and
1: and uh I I think it's appropriate to outsource that. So there's, we talked about two sort of criteria for outsourcing, right? One was customer, but the other was innovation. And I feel like handing out uh, samples at Costco, while it might you might interact with customers is not the primary interaction. Yeah. And it is not something you innovate with, uh, you know. I, I don't think you want all of a sudden them dressed as scary clowns doing uh, cartwheels. I think that <laughs> that that you, they stand there with their apron on, and you go get your free little piece of pizza or pizza bagel. It's normally that's more likely to be a pizza bagel. Um, so, um, but yeah, I, I I think that probably it's okay to outsource, and it makes sense. And if you and it's a low it's a low skilled job that could be easily outsourced. I, I get what you're trying to do though with the blender technology. So you're not you're just using it as an example. So I've now ruined it. Um
0: No, no. I, and and that's 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 the thing I'm always like like dancing around with outsourcing is like I think I think the problem is that outsourcers are by design not there to innovate. Mm. And unless you structure it very carefully, unless you're more in that augmentation role, right? Uh, Which brings its own host of problems onto it. But like, you know, every now and then I come across charts where uh, companies say they're like, you know, they don't depend on outsourcers for innovation and they're upset at that. And like, that's what I meant by a systematic thing is like, I feel like, well, that's not their job. Like, it's kind of impossible or it's extremely difficult to outsource innovation. So if you're upset that your outsourcer is not being innovative, it's a hole you've dug. A hole of misunderstanding. <laughs> Your shovel is misunderstanding, uh, so it's just like, well, yeah, that's not what they do, right? Like the people who hand out the pizza bagels are not the people who like show you how hard it is to make a smoothie without a blender, and mm-hmm. and so therefore it's just like the the advice there is like, so don't hire outsourcers to be to do innovation stuff, and the reason you don't want to do that is because. Innovation is probably a huge part of what you do with your customer. And so also, therefore, it's highly likely that all these activities you do directly with your customer, you want to be innovative. And you also want a lot of control over them, which is not what you get with an outsourcer. So therefore, as you were saying, like if it's an activity that's core to your your sort of like strategic value or very close to a customer, outsourcing is a bad match for it uh, Mm -hmm. because there's no variability and you can't really innovate there. I 100% agree. And that so then, so then I like that, I like that pause. I always enjoy that pause of, of dumbfoundedness or, uh, <laughs> or agreement. I, I think they're almost the same, <laughs> but, uh, uh, so then you're in that more consultative area, right? Where where are and I think, I think what you and I encounter a lot or, or at least talk with people a lot is I've got these outsourcers. There's two cases when it comes to application development, one I've outsourced my infrastructure management and it takes me at least 30 days just to get a server. Cause I have to file a ticket and that, that is not a cool story. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and then second, I guess you, we encounter people who are like all of some critical part of software development is done under the auspice of an outsourcing agreement and we can't really get them to change around, which is your, uh, you've dug your own hole sort of problem. And, uh, I don't know. Both of those just seem problematic. Well, I mean, I guess to get back into um,
1: what we've talked about in the past, which are the the silos. I mean, I, what I see a lot is is the business building hiring outsourcers to to brighten application because they don't trust IT. Mm. Um, in fact, that's I, I, that's how most a lot many many companies their first foray into cloud computing is that is is, is some business unit going around it because they don't trust them. Yeah. Um, and so that's where you see a lot of that. And that's where the mistakes are, are, are being made. You have, uh, you have it building their own infrastructure. The stuff that we've now said is most appropriate for the outsourcers. And then we have the outsourcers building the applications for the business team, which we said is not appropriate. And I, um there are, there are many cases where you might need custom custom software development but you know if you apply those rules that the the criteria again is this require innovation does this affect my ability to control my relationship with my customer yeah and that's it it almost always fails when you see the business unit um uh, trying to outsource application development separately from IT
0: yeah and it it would, it would seem like the so, so, so to, to over contextualize again, right? Like the, uh, the sort of like lean understanding of how you use software to do business, which I would argue is just like how you do business, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like how I, I shouldn't be so, so flippant. How you do a, a product driven business, right? And what I mean by a product driven business is, uh, people, keep being your customers and buy and you gain new customers because you do something helpful and novel. Right. And, uh, you know, like in the consumer package, goods space, like you sort of like, uh, I don't know. toothpaste is my favorite example, but you know, there's innovation in toothpaste that like brings new people. And so you can innovate even in that area, which from us hoity toity computer people seems like a total like fabricated market of just like putting stuff in bottles that ship to people. But really, there's a lot of innovation that goes on there. But anyways, you have a product business where you're kind of wanting to innovate and come up with new things, if not new ways to go to market. And you want your product to be flexible and evolve, especially if you have no idea what's going on in there. So you're sort of constantly learning and changing the way that that your system is evolving and the the features in your product. And in that case, it seems like at the beginning, you might be in this case where you're like, oh, we don't know how to do that. <laughs> and so like we need a catalyst to start us doing that. And it seems like it probably is a good idea to hire outside the company to sort of help you jumpstart that. And then the mm-hmm. part, the part where you might mess up is to assume that you don't need to develop that competency on your own. So at the same time that you might hire other people to kind of seed and start uh your smartness, if you will, so that you can get to market faster you also need to put in place essentially a plan to uh, maybe it's not reduce the outsourcers as a whole, although you could do that as well, but more to like grow your own talent and just use them as augmentation. Well, experience. you have
1: to realize that you have a continuous need for that talent. Exactly. And that's, so and and that's, I think, where they mess up. If you have a continuous need for this talent, then it's much cheaper for you to go get that talent because the outsourcing company getting that talent and then selling it to you—they're marking it up considerably. Yes. So if this is the talent you need. Why pay extra if you're going to need it forever? Yeah, it does, yeah, does, yeah. Doesn't make sense. To and and
0: that—that's—that's that's the other angle. Is like if if you find yourself augmenting staff for twenty years, <laughs> or five years even, at least at least monetarily wise, it's probably cheaper to uh, you know just hire that staff on your own. I, I I just have to say once
1: you start talking about toothpaste. It made this podcast harder for me because now all I'm thinking about is toothpaste. So, uh, <laughs> like the next book you write, it needs to be called like "Just Squeeze It" or so. I mean, if just, I just it, it. with a picture of toothpaste. I just started thinking about, you know, who moved my cheese. All these business books that have weird titles,
0: toothpaste could be the next one. Well, this is. <laughs> the, the 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 dominant clever phrase around toothpaste i mean the one that there's always present to play around with is you can't put toothpaste back in the tube yes right? i was thinking and, so, I, and
1: i was imagining the book cover with someone trying to get toothpaste back in the tube but <laughs> then i thought that'd be a really messy picture so so i, I my, i've my i been derailed that's what i'm trying to say we'll have to get back on topic here well,
0: well so so i think i think i think let, let me let me recap we've a stat we've got three tent poles here i think and I think, I think, I think that equals a, uh, that equals a, uh, a TP, but, mm-hmm. but you know, the, the main tent poles are one, uh, if you have an unchanging, we'll just use the word uncharitable, it is an unchanging commodity service. It's probably cool to outsource it. And it might be even cooler to outsource it to robots, which is to say, <laughs> which is to say the cloud where most everything is, you know, completely automated. And I think, I think the example there is like password resetting, right? Like, and I, I don't know if the following is necessarily true, but I feel like maybe in the early 2000s, if I forgot my password, I had to like email someone, if I remember, right? Or fill I had to get one of my friends to fill out a ticket. And then along comes Hotmail and Yahoo Mail and Gmail. And there's a whole forgot password sort of scheme that you go through and you're like, oh, this can be completely automated. And then even nowadays, like with more complicated things like two FA, I mean, at some point you use two factor authentication. If you forget your passwords, you're just totally screwed, <laughs> right? Like,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, it, you could be or lose your two. I mean, I, I, I am a big user of two factor, and yeah. I spend a lot of my life
0: afraid that I'm going to lose my keys. But, but anyway, anyways, <laughs> anyways you, you, there are these things that you can outsource to an outsourcer, even if there's human activity involved, and we'll just be dismissive. You're not necessarily like an application layer person, but I'll be an application person and just be like, I don't know, storage management. You could probably outsource that, right? You get in all sorts of complexities like, well, then I want to switch over to object storage and then I want to do this. And then, all right, all right, all right. Point taken. But just basic like Dropbox, right? Like you can outsource that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's this middle part, which is like uh, staff augmentation. And that is like, Uh, I, I, there's a particular skill that I need, or I, I can't hire people fast enough, but I can kind of get them from these people who have staff. And I might even, uh, outsource an entire sort of project, like the first version of a project or even the second version of a project. And also from a marketing standpoint, it might just be like the truly is like a one-time use thing. Like, I don't know, the, uh, you know, the shiny teeth toothpaste company, is uh, sponsoring Formula One this year. And we need a series of three applications for promotional reasons. And they're going to interface with our CRM system, but basically they're going to write this thing and we're not going to need to use it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could do that kind of outsourcing and augmentation. But then there's this third area, which is like, but you probably, if, if every year you're going to be evolving this business and evolving the product supporting it, I think we've established the principle that you don't want to outsource that, and in fact, you probably want to make sure you build up the in-house competence and have your own product people, developers, and whatnot to do that. And let's make up an example. Let's say, let's say that you've developed this new uh, toothpaste thing, which is like, so what? Is, you've done some rigorous customer investigation, and you're like, what is the point? What are we? What's the value a customer's buying when they buy toothpaste? What they're buying is minty fresh breath and the prevention of cavities. So what we need to do is we're gonna introduce this software-driven toothbrush device that tells them what teeth to target uh, when they're (laughs) brushing their teeth. And it's gonna use some machine learning to gather data and figure out which teeth need to be brushed best and uh, so forth and so on right so we're going to be constantly uh innovating and figuring out how to best guide the toothbrush and therefore accomplish the original mission of the toothpaste and we probably want our own in-house people to do that instead of outsourcing it to someone else
1: yeah the the roomba of of toothpaste uh toothbrushes <laughs> i i you know if you, know, if you it, and you know this if you went to uh if you went to silicon valley someone would fund you to make this that's that you would <laughs> It would probably get funded.
0: Well, you know, they already. I was just copying the idea of those toothbrushes that like beep when you've brushed uh, sufficiently, right? And this,
1: you know, it. I I just it's just my the way my brain works. As you're talking about, I'm thinking of of other functionality we can put into toothbrush. Like, we should maybe we can detect plaque and bacteria, and we can actually change the 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 rate of
0: vibration. Mm, See, so that so that you can you can do different things. Yeah. So there's. so this is okay so then to test this theory in our theoretic world right so there that was a good one so there's this there's this uh there's this competitive advantage this unique feature of of the product that you that you at the shiny teeth toothpaste company have discovered and that is it's technically feasible to detect the amount of plaque within like, you know, a second or something or whatever. Basically, we can detect the amount of plaque such that we can speed up or change the way the toothbrush is working, right? So let's say that that's a theoretic thing that we could discover. And that would make our toothbrushing thing more valuable because it would be more effective. Now, can you imagine an outsourcing agreement you have that that kind of thing could be discovered and put into market or is just outsourcing just fundamentally wouldn't match for that very well? I don't think I, it. It doesn't look like it. May, I mean, certainly there are, there are
1: types of companies that will look into whether that's a good idea for you. Mm. <laughs> you know, so that might be useful. So there are companies that uh, you could call, and they would come out and they would look at the whole market and tell you do all the research and say this is what you have to make money. This is a, so there's there's there are consulting services that could be useful to you in this case. Right. But I right. Don't think right. You right. Can do, I, I, so that. And then staff augmentation, but you know, not not pure outsourcing. So, I don't think it works.
0: Yeah, you you hit on an interesting thing there. Which which if if, if just in, in in a moment, if I remember, we'll flip it around to make some interesting point. But it's it's important not to conflate or uh, confuse outsourcers with uh, consultative firms, <laughs> right? So you know, you can go to a uh, well, you can go to a, an IDEO or all sorts of people like this to kind of like invent something for you i guess Mm -hmm. right like to you know you can kind of say like ah we want to enter this business so give us some advice about what we should do or we have this existing business you should help us kind of invent something new with it and they have a pretty or at least i assume they have a unique particular hard to find skill of like discovering a new thing to do and then i think interestingly enough to flip it around you as a company go to do that if then you are going to kind of put it in place and run it without variation. (laughs) Right. So Mm -hmm. if if your skill is to, uh, basically at volume, like deliver this thing over and over again, what we said, the the forget your password outsourcers did, then I guess you can outsource it's innovation. (laughs) Cause like, that's not what you specialize in. Mm. And you can always go back to the innovative people and be like, all right, innovate me something else, which I don't think that applies all the time, but I I don't know. Maybe it doesn't apply very often either. Maybe it's just good to have like someone kind of kickstart your innovation and then you still need to insource uh, an innovation function, even if all you do is just like. Yeah. So that kind of works
1: best if what you're if you're dealing with. I don't know, in my mind, commodities. So let's say that I was I'm dealing with a commodity, a product that doesn't need innovation, but sometimes other parts of my business like marketing do Mm. so like. It, it, an example was I sell bananas. That's a commodity, right? Uh, I'm going to put a sticker on that banana that that when you put your phone over it with an app, it does something that for, for kids. It encourages them to eat bananas and it helps sell my right, banana right, right. over another banana because they're all the same, right? So I outsource that app and the back end all to someone. I mean maybe even the idea came from, from uh, one of those consultative companies. But you could certainly outsource that. But if – if your company is about innovation, then I think that's, that's harder. It's a harder sell for me. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah you, you know, this, so this reminds me of an example from uh, an energy company I was talking with. And they, uh, they would get subsidies for, um, uh, or whatever the subsidy is, for educational energy use stuff. And so they wanted to make a, a game. Uh, for kids that would talk about, you know, like, I, it wasn't called this, but let's call it the, uh, the dad app. And, uh, <laughs> I always joke that the definition of dad is the one who turns off lights in the house, you mm-hmm. know, and, and so this, this, they made a game that talked about, you know, doing things like turning lights off and stuff. And I think, I think at first they were going to make, they were investigating some augmented reality thing to do it. And so they kind of experimented with it and they found out that like no one really used it. And it was like, too complicated of an idea, uh, too complicated in the sense of like gratuitously awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And then they came upon this second idea, uh, of just like, Oh, we should just have a game where you go around and turn lights off and other stuff. And then that actually got a huge amount of, uh, adoption or usage by people. And therefore they made the business case of, uh, being educational and getting these subsidies. And, you know, with that example, I wonder if, if you had outsourced it to someone else and they came up with this augmented reality thing and then you put it into practice and they would be like, well, we delivered our project. So would you like mm-hmm. to sign a new contract? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, you know, that that's in in an example like that, you sort of have your, you still have, I keep going back to this, but you have this static set of things at a delivered date instead of just a stream of innovation that, that you're going to be having. And then. The point being that, like, if you're relying on a stream of innovation as the the buyer, if you will, the company, you have to look at really hard, like, if I'm going to want this innovation constantly, even cost-wise, it probably is better for me to in-house it, even though that's difficult. And then especially also just, like, reshifting what people's attention is, right? Like, an in-house worker should be more flexible than an outsourced worker, Um And I don't know, I guess if that's not the case, then you probably should outsource. (laughs) Or you should, you should, you should hire the,
1: (laughs) you should in your contract, make sure you can hire those people. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which is, which is also a, uh, a constant issue. Hmm. I think we've arrived at some good heuristics.
1: Yeah. And some good things to maybe talk about next time. I feel like, you know, we dug in a little bit. It was interesting.
0: Yeah. Maybe we can have some constant examples. So we got our toothpaste example. Right. Mm-hmm. Always innovation in the toothpaste. Now you brought up, you brought up a great one with the bananas, a not so banana example, so to speak. Mm. I get, you know, that phrase, it always has to be plural, right? Bananas. Like you can never, you can never be like, you're a banana. You've got to be bananas, which, which mm. is uh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know why. There, there must be some, some, uh, uh, linguistic thing for, to use a noun to describe the state of something. It has to be plural. Is that true? Like, would you say that someone is monkeys
1: <laughs> anyway someone can be catty someone can be uh hmm. you know i i i think that you can be a pig so i i don't you can be you can parrot someone oh yeah
0: yeah cuz you can, but that's you can not be using you a... can be piggish but what would you say to say that you're you uh you have monkey brains but brains is already plural anyways well no it... <laughs> Because because if you, a singular is like we each have a brain, but if you are monkey brains, you're crazy. Right. So you've you've pluralized it at the end there. I'll have to think okay. of other things that so like I,
1: I think that's a colloquialism that's regional because I don't know that monkey brain
0: saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, but the banana one. Right, so there could be like just a fun augmented reality thing of like you know when you go when you go to the the banana place, there's a little code and the kid can like point it at it and and there'll be like every time they do it, there'll be like a different Pokemon character that pops mm. up and dances on the banana or something like that. Which I guess or, would I guess or would
1: tie po- into their to their Pokemon game. There you All go. Of a there you can, go.
0: Uh, yeah. Which would I guess the problem, the flaw in this innovation is it would just uh, it would incent kids to steal the stickers off of the banana somehow. You've got to make it more tight. You've got to make it more tight into actually buying the banana. Like, I don't know. I don't know how you do that, but whatever.
1: They're they're tattoos. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is the innovation. It's banana tattoos. (laughs) Banana tattoos. But there is something I think that is a little less bananas, so to speak, which is my understanding is that there is, there is a, a pull in the market to understand the, uh, the supply chain of the banana, right? The provenance of it. And you see this with like coffee and I would assume diamonds and things like that, where the buyers are very interested in like the uh, ethical supply chain. And that could be sort of like this on, and of course you're going to need to use blockchain. Am I right? You're, that's, you,
1: you are. And, it, and it's not just that all luxury goods are also concerned. They're not concerned, you know, they're, they're concerned about making sure something is the right thing, that it's that it's real and not not a counterfeit.
0: so this and would be they, a, a heady area of ongoing innovation is uh, is tracking the supply chain of something. and then and then finally, before we close out, i think I think another area that I'm always interested in one because there's a fair amount of pivotal customers, so I talk with them a lot. but it it paradoxically is a very banal, boring area that I think not only has a lot of innovation going on, but lots of potential for innovation. And that is uh, insurance, Mm. (laughs) right? Which on the face of it, insurance (laughs) is a very basic business, which is uh, I pick some number of the amount of money I am happy not having on hand in case there's a run at insurance. And I basically lend out a huge amount of money and I keep some other amount of money on hand Lend out is the wrong thing, but I kind of like, I invest that money out and mm-hmm. then I basically, whenever someone files a claim, I hope that I'll have enough money around to pay off their claim and not go out of business. And then I also will buy some amount of money from a reinsurance provider. But anyways, the whole point, as I understand it, of insurance is I'm going to have some percentage of, of money available to invest in things. And then like all good financial driven businesses, I just make money off of holding money to some extent. That might be a naive way of understanding the insurance business, but it's a very basic business. But the whole idea of doing claims and how you sell insurance and all sorts of things like that, there's a lot of room for innovation. Like I was thinking the other day, I don't know what this is called, but there's some, uh, there's some ratio of like the amount of money you can sell to the amount of money you have on your books. We call it like the golden ratio. And mm. like if you could compute that every hour you would have the potential of selling more insurance than if you, it took you a day to compute that or 48 hours. And so that little thing could be a competitive advantage to some point at some point, which seems really boring and basic, but there's all these little moments in the insurance business where if you could innovate, you could get some, uh, some advantage,
1: but yeah, there's lots of interesting things that, that
0: definitely. So, I can uh, think of things. So we, we've got, we've got three things maybe as a quiz, the listeners can write in what our three advi- points of advice were for outsourcing. But, uh, I, th- I think we figured out aligning things better, better there. And, and speaking of, I think since we recorded last time, I've registered a domain name, mis- misaligned.business. Uh, you know, I could have taken plumbing, but that, that may not have worked out well. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> I've been thinking, you know what we need to find? We need to find one of those pictures where like, you know, they've built a bridge and the bridge doesn't match up. I think that's the good, that's the good visual <laughs> or, for all these things. Or railroad
1: tracks. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that would be good as well. Different gauges, yeah.
0: That's, we should look for something like that. I'll, but, I'll be on the lookout. Yeah, know. yeah. And uh, I think with that, so, you know, if you like this podcast, at this point, the best thing to do uh, is, is one, to tell us. Because while we enjoy <laughs> talking to ourselves, uh, it's, it's also best to know that people actually enjoy it. But, you know, recommend it to other people. And, uh, help us get more listeners to it because, you know, my goal here is to, uh, just gather information and get some raw ideas, uh, to, as, as I work on this new book that I have, uh, and also ongoing. So, so that, that would be helpful. You have any, anything you want to ask for at the end here? Yeah. You know, uh, all
1: the things you just asked for, those are, those are perfect. I, I, I would be interested in in getting feedback and especially knowing what some of the outsourcers think about what we said, because I think Ah, they won't they might like it they might not like it i don't think we are anti outsourcing so we we will see yeah
0: well no i think i think the the way you put it is is correct right like from a uh, from an, from the perspective of outsourcers they are happy to do what you want <laughs> right mm-hmm. they're happy to arrange a contractual relationship to do what you would like and so you have to just figure out what what that is and how how you want to manage that and then and then the job of an outsourcer like any kind of contractor so to speak is basically to uh do what you need done except they obviously are not going to lose money doing it (laughs) Mm -hmm. so so (laughs) there's that uh all right well with that we'll see everyone next time bye bye bye